He's here! And I saw this car pull up with an I Heart San Quentin bumper sticker. But honey, come on out, the fight's about to start! Let's rock. Thanks, Dad. Can I get a woman? No Man Presents, live from the Nudie Bar, the Married with Children Podcast. And here are your hosts, Jerry, Justin, and Al. What's up, guys? It's the Married with Children Podcast. We are here, and we are like a punch in the bread basket. My name is Al, and I am joined by the guy who, when challenge challenged him, he challenged challenged Jerry. What's up, Jerry? Look, anytime challenge is challenged, challenged, I met challenge with a challenge just so I could challenge him to the day he ever thought he could challenge me. You are such a stallion. I am just a man, Alex. Mm-hmm. And the guy who just wants to stop doing this and go ahead and watch Rip Out Their Entrails 3, Justin. What's up, man? Yeah, is this on uh, beta or VHS? I'm sure that it's only on VHS. Oh, only. So, guys, we are reviewing Season 3, Episode 15, The Harder They Fall. This episode aired March 25th, 1989. Which is weird considering the last episode we talked about aired in April, right? That is weird, and we are doing this in order. You said April last week. Yeah, I did. Week. That's weird. I don't know. I don't know why. Uh, original air date, March 26th. Mine says 25th. Uh, original air date, March 19th for three-job, no-income family. Okay, so Alex just said the wrong date last week then. No. on I Well, you're not looking at IMDb, are you, Jerry? No, I'm not. Yeah, see? It's different. That's why we decided we're not doing this. Like, that's why I said I'm not trying that hard to get these in order. Like, I'm going to go by IMDb and that's it. Because if you go to different websites, man, it is like I am not that interested. In, and plus, on this um, DVD set that I have, this is all in order. Three A three-job no-income family does come before harder they fall. So, I don't know. And it's also on the new DVDs. It's in order that way, too. So I don't really care. But I'll just say the dates because it's just something to say. <laughs> uh, so now here, this is why I said that we're going to talk about both synopses for this. Listen to the one on the DVD set, the one I read last week at the end of the episode. Steve is obsessed with the fear that an enraged driver may come looking for him. Now, isn't that perfect? Yep, that's yeah. pretty good. Okay. Well, see, I even I'm, I hesitate to read this. Okay, I'm just gonna. Even though most people should have seen this episode already, Dude, nobody is listening to this that is worried about spoilers. You know what I mean? <laughs> I know you're right. <laughs> they've either listened to it, watched the episode, and then listened to us, or they've seen it before, or they just don't plan on watching it, but like hearing us talk. Well, that's the people I try to save the endings for. You know, but look, I'm going to say this without saying it, and you'll still know how this idiot wrote the synopsis on IMDb. Ready? While driving Peggy back from the video store, Steve gets cut off in traffic, and Peggy gives the driver, in quotations, the finger. 
Steve then asks the Bundys to come over at his and Marcy's house to watch some videos as protection when he's afraid of a violent reprisal when he is followed home by the man. When there's a knock at the front door, Al... (laughs) Can you believe this? Al convinces Steve to take the first punch, and Steve ends up knocking down... And then you can imagine the next two words. Oh, my Jesus. Why would you say that? <laughs> like, yeah, I don't even need to watch the episode now. I know what, like, I know the entire episode. Right. <laughs> well, this episode, as always, directed by Jerry Cohen, written by Ellen Fogel and Michael Moy. Al starts the episode off by attempting to cook something. He gets a pot ready, and he goes to put cereal in it. Now, there's boxes... Whoa. I thought the first box was oatmeal. Oh, was it? Okay. And then the second box was cereal. And the second, because the second box looked like a Raisin Bran situation. And I was like, why are you trying to put Raisin Bran in a pot? Oh, God. Yeah. Later he says it's for making a Bundy trail mix. But even if you did that, you wouldn't cook it. Yeah. Plus he wouldn't make it right without cough syrup. (laughs) But um, it's funny because the kids have already resorted to looking for food in way more obscure places. But yet there's boxes of oatmeal and and cereal in the cabinet. You would have th- thought those would have already been gone through before the kids went to where they went. Kids, let's prove to your mom once and for all that you don't need food to eat good. <laughs> What'd you find for the Bundy snack tray? Three M&Ms, a crouton, and this. <laughs> I found it in the cuff of my pants. Well, cut the tail off and throw it in the pot. <laughs> What exactly is this? I'm not 100% sure. Kelly, how were the pickings in the basement? Um, I got a half-eaten piece of cheese from the mouse trap. Mm. Too bad we couldn't get the mouse. <laughs> Anything else? Oh, yeah, um, I got a half a dozen of these large raisins that were scattered by the trap. <laughs> well, let's save these babies for Christmas. <laughs> We'll put them in grandma's fruitcake. Yeah, Kelly, uh, I don't even know what to say. (laughs) But I love how Bud, the thing he pulled out, he found it in the cuff of his jeans. (laughs) And it was alive at some point, I guess. And Al says, snap the tail off and throw it in. (laughs) Like, these guys are eating vermin. We going to do this one for Patreon, too? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I don't know. Make our own trail mix? Uh, Y'all got that. You know, I'm a Steve... I don't really do, the, you know, the Bundy trail mix, but Alex, I mean, we call you Big Al. You're 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 basically perfect for this. Great, yeah. Um, I'll do the 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 ripped off cardboard corners of a box, but I don't know about the thing in Bud's pants. I'll chug a bunch of cough syrup. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'll do that part. Now we'll combine the rest of this stuff with the Fruit Loops that I fought the dog over. And we'll have ourselves some nice little yummy Bundy trail mix. <laughs> well, I don't know, Dad. I like the way Mom makes this stuff. Well, so do I, Bud, but we're out of cough syrup. <laughs> All right, let's go. Everybody sit down. Your mom should be home any minute with the tapes. And then it's Bundy night at the movies. After that, it's Bundy night in the bathroom. <laughs> they're, as they're doing this, they talk about how it's movie night and Peg's out renting movies. And I couldn't help but think, oh, so... Your priorities, you're going to eat box tops, but you you 
pay for movies to rent, but you won't eat. Okay. We never get to rent any good movies. You know why? Because we are the last family on earth with beta. <laughs> yeah, Dad. Why can't we get a VHS machine? I mean, we're missing a lot of good movies. I heard they made a second Godfather. Hey, if it was any good, it would have been on beta. <laughs> Come on, kids, we're gonna watch a movie. We've got munchies and we got each other. What more can we ask for? Hope. <laughs> Food. Pride. Heat. An alias. Underwear. <laughs> yeah, an annulment. <laughs> All right, so our life stinks. At least we're gonna have movies. I sent your mother to Bob's, Betas, and Bell Bottoms in Milwaukee. <laughs> they rent Beta instead of VHS. And in 1989, that war should have been over already. So Peg goes to Bob's, Betas, and Bell Bottoms, which is a great reference because, like, that was big in the 70s when Bell Bottoms were. Yeah, you got to think at one point that store was like the hippest store around. Yeah, it was like Blockbuster at that time. Well, it's about time. What do we have? The Predator? The Terminator? Oh, Heavenly Dog. <laughs> hey, I wanted Schwarzenegger. So did I. But I got you, and you got Beta. <laughs> so Al wanted Predator or Terminator, which it's so great to hear Al say those things, because that's what I... Like, I love Arnold movies, so... When I saw that another hero of mine was, like, way into the same things I like, that was, like, great to me. Now, this other movie that Peg got instead, now, I couldn't understand. I thought she said Heavenly Dog. It's a uh, Oh, Heavenly Dog. It's a 1980 uh, comedy film starring Chevy Chase as an American P.I. in London who was killed in the middle of an investigation and instead of going to heaven or hell, is sent back to Earth in the form of a dog named Benji to solve the original case. The dog's going to solve his murder. Yes. Did anybody see this? No, I've never seen that movie. It's got Chevy Chase in it, though, so I'd like to. <clears throat> well, yeah, but if he's like he's only in the beginning and then you just hear his voice and the dogs and you look at the dog's face, right? Yeah, pretty much. But I mean, it's a dog. <laughs> right. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, that's weird. So that's what they get instead, which is the most obscure. And it's, it's, that movie totally bombed. The ratings are terrible on that. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's why it's on beta. Right. I mean, yeah, beta, right. by mid-1980s, beta's, beta was dead. And VHS was king. VHS was king for a few reasons. And there's a reason why Al has beta and Marcy has VHS. See, there's a couple of things that made VHS win. And it wasn't just because because Beta technically has a better picture than VHS. Really? At, yes, yeah, it had a better yeah, picture than definitely. VHS. Um, and the other thing is, is a lot of studios were taken side because VHSs were actually cheaper to make. But the big thing that killed Betamax was Betamax didn't have porn. And VHS had porn, and that's why Marcy makes sure she gets her uh, Lonely Date movies on VHS. Right. Uh, like Judy's Huge Date. Because I try to look up anything about Judy and Date and this and that, and all I got was this 1941 movie that starred Jane Powell and Elizabeth Taylor. 
And from the things that Marcy was saying, um, <laughs> that is not the type of movie she got. Yeah, I'm pretty sure she she was getting a porn because it's on VHS. Right. Yeah, so porn killed Beta because they the porn studios decided to switch over. Well, it wasn't only like exclusively like it wasn't that there was like uh, nobody using Beta. It's just that the majority of them didn't. So it's like in the rental era. And, you know, porn was huge in, like, the, yeah, everybody had a rental store that had the curtain, right? And you, you yeah. had a separate oh, section. Oh, yeah. So, like, believe it or not, like, porn rentals were huge. And uh, everything was on VHS. So uh, th- that format war, which is always fun looking up the history of format wars. Obviously, I, I guess, like, the one we were most relevant for was the HD DVD and Blu-ray right. war. Um, which we actually got to see play out at an age where we could actually understand what was going on. But yeah, I think that's it's very interesting that porn had such a big effect on that. Yeah, it's kind of funny because even if you look at like uh, video game systems, a lot of times it's not which system is the most powerful, but it's the software, it's the games. And that's kind of what played out with VHS and Betamax also. Well, hardware for them. Well, no, it, it was... No, the, nobody got that one? Okay. Oh, I got you. Okay. Okay. Hey, listen, I'm trying. Yeah, so that's that's how it works. You want to rent beta, you get crap movies, you want to get VHS at this point, that's where the good stuff is. Al, I am really upset with your wife. Kill her. (laughs) Which, why was he driving Peg to the video? I mean, I guess they had to rent movies also, but, like, it sounds like they went out of their way because they went over to milwaukee to get betamax when they weren't vhs he didn't have to go all that way yeah why do you go to bob's betas and bell bombs when... what is steven uh peggy doing huh i don't know Mm-hmm. i bet you don't <sighs> well you're the one who has to worry about that man not me oh no al al oh he's getting cheated on yeah i don't know mm. <laughs> <laughs> throwing a little conspiracy theories in here I... <laughs> Anyhow, I'm getting off I-94, listening to Toscanini blend precisely with the sound of my fine German automotive machinery, (laughs) when a reckless driver cut me off. Well, live and let live, I say. But when I pull up next to him at the light, your wife leans over and gives him the finger. But before the Neanderthal jamboree really kicks in, I might mention that the guy had a bumper sticker that said, I heart San Quentin. Did you spit on the hood? Well, I spit in that direction, but Steve's window was up. Yeah, enjoy, enjoy. But I'm the guy he followed. God, I hope I lost him. So check this out. It's funny that, um, that this came up around now. Because a couple weeks ago was the re-release of Titanic, the movie. And my sister wanted to... Like, that's like one of her favorite movies of all time. Don't they do that all the time? They re-release it? I swear they did that back in, like... Yeah, I was about to say, it got re-released in theaters a few years ago. Oh, no, 2007 then. Because they they must do it every 10-year anniversary. Because this was for 20, yeah. That feels right. Yeah. She had me go with her for some reason. I, you know, I can't remember a conversation from 20 Does years ago. Does this story sound fake to you? 
Oh no, 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 no! This is totally real. I know. Alex, yeah. Alex drug his sister and goes see Titanic. Yeah, ha, yeah, right. I'm about to message Jen right now. Hey, did you ask him or did he ask you? <laughs> Clear this up for me, Jen. Yeah. So, um, on the way home, we got cut off. The guy spit on my windshield because of the reaction I had to him. I must have done something. Like I'm the kind of guy who as soon as I see a chance, I'll like punch it and then cut you off back really close. Like I'll come within inches of you when I do this. Um, this happened and whatever happened, it ended up I had to make a turn now. So I had to get back in the left lane and then he was to the right of me. He he leans out and spits on my windshield and goes up a little bit. My sister is, I'm driving her. She rolls down the window and I don't know if she... <laughs> I don't know if she went to spit on his windshield back, but she spit right in his face. <laughs> and then we this just is, made the left turn and he was stuck happened? there. Yeah. For real? For real? It's for real. It, dude, it was the, f- it was like the most exhilarating experience ever. Like she spit in his face. And then we, like, she's the real-life Kelly Bundy, I guess, for real. I mean, like, she did that, and then we made the left turn, and he couldn't go anywhere. This is how horror movies start. <laughs> yeah, but it was it was classic. But, uh, yeah, so I, that, this whole thing, when when every time that Peg says that, I get this weird chill. Because I, wa- I like this episode, so I watch it uh, every so often, and I get this chill every time Peg says that, because I always forget she's going to say it. And then she says, and I go, wow, I get this weird flashback. I'm like, wow, that was crazy. Wait, this happened in 2007? The 97. Oh, okay. Yeah. I just started driving, too. I was like 17. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, so it was like a big deal to me. Uh, Steve didn't like that because the guy had a bumper sticker that said, I heart San Quentin. Now, that is a bizarre thing to have because... San Quentin, you know, in case you're thinking that's like some kind of like marine thing or whatever. No, <laughs> most people do have something about being a marine. Now, this is just a straight up state prison. The California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation. Um, it's located north of San Francisco in San Quentin. And it's like it's almost like um, it's like at the end. And then every, it's surrounded by water, basically, on one side. And this prison's been open since 1852, and it's the oldest prison in California. And this has death row, and they were putting people in gas chambers and killing them. And ever since 96, they only do lethal injection. And by 2006, they no longer, they, or they haven't performed an execution since 2006. So it's like a pretty hardcore place. And if you look it up and you look up um, like the people, like the famous people who have been in that prison or whatever, or just not famous, but they just list like a bunch of prisoners that were kind of like names, like big names or whatever. You Like you could read why they were all there. It's called like notable inmates. And God, when you see the stories of what these people have done and they're all in there, that is like, dude, that's like the most hardcore place Ever. These people are, are death row in, in there, so they have nothing to lose. This guy who's cut them off is hardcore on some level. 
Well, of course I lost him with those defensive driving moves I made. <laughs> you see, a fine automobile in the hands of a man with cat-like reflexes. Hey, there is a guy stopping here. Oh my God, it could be him. Look at the size of him. He looks like acid must have been thrown in his face. <laughs> this guy's fresh out of the asylum. Oh, that's my date. <laughs> Have a good time, honey. Thanks. I like how the description of Kelly's date, and then she comes back because he wanted to study. Like, <laughs> Yeah, it's like the perfect thing. Yeah, and she was like, I'm just not that kind of lady. Like, it was so funny. Like, that was such a good uh, swerve. Yeah, I like how Steve's like, look at the size of him. Like, it's so odd to bring all that up. Here's another car. He's slowing down. Now he's coming in. <laughs> That's him. There's the I Heart San Quentin bumper sticker. He wrote down my license plate number. He's pulling away. us so what are you gonna do about it come on you nose rag anytime <laughs> you know every now and then she makes me so proud gee mr rhodes you seem scared oh not scared really i mean you know me i'm not a man who runs from trouble trouble troubles me i trouble trouble <laughs> it's trouble <laughs> Steve says, when trouble troubles me, I trouble trouble. <laughs> like, yeah. is he going for, is he trying to lose? Because he seemed cool for a little while, man. And then all of a sudden he's doing tap dancing. He's troubling trouble. He's, dude, he's, he's worldly. He's cultured. Right. All around the world, statues crumble for him. Uh, something else I won't mention? <laughs> hey. <laughs> So one cool thing is that Steve drove through the park on the way to the video store and he has pigeons roasting on his radiator. I'm sorry, did you say radiator? Wasn't that the radiator of the car? Radiator. Raid, not rad. Uh, that's kind of like a location-based pronunciation. Is it? Cause, yeah, it's one of those things where it's like, well, I don't know what one's right, probably the one you said, but um, I definitely have heard it Alex's way. Wow, okay. Even the word water is very specific. People make fun of me because I say water, like W-A-R-T-E-R. Do you say warsher too? No. <laughs> I don't have any of those like southern type accents. Do you, do you say soda or pop? Pop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? <sighs> Steve, are you okay? You look pale. Oh my God, you didn't eat here, did you? <laughs> Oh, I couldn't decide which color wine goes with slop. <laughs> Believe me, Marcy, I'm fine. Hey, tapes! Look, uh, the Predator, Dirty Harry, Judy's huge date. <laughs> Those are private tapes, Al. Now, what does that mean? Is that like Judy and five other guys or something? Uh, like... No, I'm just assuming that's a softcore porno. Oh. Well, why can't we get tapes like these, Peg? They're VHS, Al. Well, of course they're VHS. Only an idiot would own Beta. <laughs> or someone who believes a woman's orgasm is brought on by yelling, Come on, will ya? <laughs> what happened to your date? He won 
wanted to study, so I just had to tell him I am not that kind of girl. Hey, guys, the colonel's here. Oh, Steve, let's go home. They don't have a virgin to sacrifice. They may turn on us. Uh, listen, Marcy, um, I've been thinking. We don't have the bunnies over at our house nearly enough. Well, that's your rule, Steve. <laughs> Remember the speech that began, quote... I'd watch a colorized version of Casablanca before I... Yeah, I know, I know. Y'all know where Casablanca is, right? Um, it's just like a Humphrey Bogart movie or something. When people talk love story movies, Casablanca is like one of the greatest love stories ever told. Like, it's it's like up there with like Citizen Kane and like how classic it is. Isn't that like Sweetheart? Yes. There are two somethings. Yes, what you heard Michelangelo tell you in the Ninja Turtles movie. Yeah. Right, right, yeah, 1990 <laughs> Turtles movie. That's that's what he was doing, right? Yeah. Yes, yeah, but uh, yeah, but that's just such a heavy statement. I was like, I would never watch a colorized version of Casablanca. I don't care if it meant taking a punch to the face. I'll just take a punch to the face. I would never be disrespectful like that. So you think of that too, huh? Well, I started watching the colorized version of It's a Wonderful Life because I've seen the black and white one for like 20 straight years, and I bought the Blu-ray, and... I figured they had the colorized version, so it'd be cool to see what that looks like. Um, so I've been watching that just to mix things up. How how is that colorized version, by the way? It's they never look real. It looks yeah. like somebody colored just one solid color behind each thing. Well, the best colorized black and white movie I've ever seen is the colorized version of House on Haunted Hill. Hmm. The I've colorized the colorized version of that actually looks pretty good. I'd like I have the Blu-ray and I don't even know if I have that. Hmm. Uh I don't know if it's I don't know if it's been released on disc. I know it's got to be because I've seen it on something. Is it on mine? That I want to see. I have yeah. the uh, Night of the Living Dead colorized version, but that's the only colorized thing I own. But I just think it would be a nice gesture for us to share our VHS format with our neighbors and good friends, the Bundys. Uh, what do you say, guys? Well, pigeon is better the second day. Let's go. What's this all about, Steve? Nothing. I just want to spend an evening or two with good friends. Hey, Kel, some guy's going to beat the tar out of Mr. Rhodes. Oh, cool. Then there's that. Uh, do you guys ever eat pigeon? Is that something that you could really eat, or are they just so filthy and stuff that nobody eats that? No, I, no I don't think you're supposed to eat pigeons. Really? I mean, I think pigeons are like kind of, I mean, I'm sure you could eat them, but I think they're kind of like rats. Right. Right. Well, they do eat rats. So pigeons not far off. Now they're, they're watching dirty Harry in the house. Now, did you, you know, we all, we're going to do our Patreon special where we review, uh, Hondo for some reason. I feel like they're the same kind of movie, (laughs) but they're probably not. No, Hondo's a Western dirty Harry's a, isn't that a Western? No, oh, he's just like a, a cop. Yeah, it's a gritty cop movie. Oh, okay. I was gonna for say for some reason I was thinking western too. Yeah, that's what I thought it was. No, because you think you because you associate Clint Eastwood with uh, the Man with No Name trilogy. Ah, uh, probably. Uh, so you've seen this now. I know I'm just asking a dumb question here, but I just wonder how far the writers are willing to take this because there was no point in that movie where Dirty Harry didn't want mayonnaise on his sandwich, right? I honestly don't remember. I haven't seen Dirty <laughs> Harry in like over a decade because 
I'm just I'm not a huge fan of the I love the Man with No Name trilogy, but I don't really get into the 80s dirty cop action movies. Hmm. So I'd have to watch it. So you don't know if they refuse his credit card either. I have no clue. I you know what's funny is I when they were doing that those jokes, I was thinking of a completely different movie that's not even out at the time. I was thinking of that Michael Douglas movie Falling Down. Oh yeah. I was like, I feel like that's the movie that I want to see Al review. <laughs> like, if Al Bundy's going to review a movie, it needs to be falling down. Oh, yeah. That's the movie where the dude's all pissed off or something takes out his aggression, right? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of movies like that, but yeah. <laughs> okay, does he have, like, short, spiky hair and glasses? Yeah, yeah. I can okay. tell a picture of the <laughs> Yeah, I've seen, I think I've seen that a long, long time ago. Probably yeah, when it came out. super good. So... Marcy loves violence. She does. <laughs> I wonder what that means about her. And it really does round her character out in a special way. It really takes that nerdy edge off of her. <laughs> hey, we're trying to watch a movie here. Will somebody get that? Well, yes, this is the Rhodes residence. Yes, that's the correct address. Steve, it's for you. Hello? Hello? He hung up. He knows where I live. To hell with him. If he's stupid enough to come over here, then he deserves what you're going to do to him. (laughs) Unleash your fury, Steve. Give him a right, a left, break his face, punch him in the kidney, make him puke blood. And it's funny because we've talked about it before where she's like comes off as like so sophisticated and high class and she's evolved past, you know, the swine that is the Bundys. Right. And then she, you know, rents movies like Rip Out Your Entrails Part 3. <laughs> yeah, she she comes off as this, you know, highfalutin whatever. Highfalutin. <laughs> she's just odd. And I like it, though. I do, too. <laughs> So, Rip Out Their Entrails, Part 3. Is that a good movie? Do you guys know? (laughs) (laughs) Like, there's no way that's a real movie, right? Uh, I looked it up and I couldn't find anything. Obviously, it's just an exaggerated title of... I mean, they could have used, like... There's tons of those terrible movies. Like, they could have done... She could have rented three on a meat hook or something. Yeah, they could have done anything. I guess they didn't... I don't know why. Maybe... I don't know. Uh, So, Al uses the toilet bowl this again works and i I hate even like keep saying that because it's like well who said it didn't well we did when they did a whole episode on it oh right and then yeah so i got that stigma going in me and then i and then after that didn't we have like two episodes in a row where there was like two toilet flooding jokes and then another one the next episode yeah yeah because it was when they went out to eat and stuff that like if they do it too much it worked. And with this one, it works because we don't actually hear about the flooding of the toilet. It's like, obviously, he goes, it's implied. Yeah, it's all implied. And I like it more when it's implied than when it actually happens. Right. He said, oh, well, you'll find out about that later. Yeah. Why do you keep a fish in your bathroom? I know that was just, keep <laughs> the goldfish in there to test the air. And I'm like, Peg, the fish doesn't breathe air. It <laughs> takes the oxygen from the water. Ugh. 
Well, you know, the man must have no social conscience if he cuts someone off like that. What is society coming to? Are we all barbarians? I'll tell you, if I had my way, I'd have them round up every one of those inconsiderate savages, bury them up to their necks, and run them over with a grain reaper. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty vicious. That's, um, that's some creep show level stuff. Yeah. You know, I feel the same way about that Pippi Longstocking girl. God, I hate her. Peg mentions that she hates Pippi Longstocking. Uh, and there's a pretty good reason for that. Uh, she's a character based on a series of books by a Swedish author. And the reason why Peg probably hates her is because the character has a wide range of competency in housekeeping skills, from cooking, cleaning, repair, care for pets, etc. You know. uh, there's, and there's been a lot of movie adaptations, but in 1988, just a year before this, there was a film called The New Adventures of Pippi Longstocking, and which the lead actress was Tammy Erin, and she was pretty, you know, out there. You know, she had a, a big presence in American media at the time, you know, and all that stuff. So that's that's that. It's like a pretty like loose reference or whatever, but that's why Peg hates her because she's the opposite of Peg, I guess. But I think they both have red hair though, so that's weird. Which is probably another thing that is, uh, Peg fears the competition, too, so she hates her for that reason, too. Hello? Hello? Okay, Mr. Silent Thug, if you won't speak, I will. We are a peace-loving people here, and you are obviously not college-educated. If you cannot control your wanton hostility, I have a list of some very qualified therapists that I think Let we can handle have. this. Listen, worm food. <laughs> you want to take care of this? Come on over. You've got the address. You spineless gob of spit. You got this yellow piece of. He hung up. How rude. He must be on his way over. Al's so hungry he could eat a horse, but uh, like I said in the last episode, he doesn't have to because he's not at home. Uh, now, why why don't we eat horses? Is there a reason? Because it seems like a lot of meat on them. Is there a reason because we don't? They're our buddies. <laughs> Seriously? Yeah, that's why. Why why do we eat cows? Because they said they're like idiots and wouldn't let us ride them. Horses are like, oh, okay, you want to ride it? Yeah. Okay. Except we we use horses buddies. to make glue, but whatever. That's not true. Yeah. That is true. No. Google it. Hundred percent true. Yeah. What do we use? Their bones. Their what? Their bones. Why? I don't know. I don't know how. I, I don't, <laughs> who who even discovered that? Like, how do you stumble upon that one? Yeah. You know, that's a weird one to figure it's out. It's taken but. from the hooves and the bones, and yeah. the word is collagen. And now we put it into women's lips. Yeah, but um, horse horse meat's actually extremely lean. It's like actually a pretty pretty good meat. But yeah, we don't eat it here. It's illegal. Huh? Is it illegal? I don't think it's illegal. No, it's illegal. What? Yeah. Uh, how's Peg get it then? <laughs> <laughs> From what I see online, it's uh, uh, illegal to make horses into meat. In the U.S., but you could technically eat it in the U.S. 
Though it was completely illegal for from 2006 to 2011. Hmm. Now it's you can you can do it. It just has to be yeah, it has to be shipped from Mexico or Canada. Oh, so you can't grind the meat yourself? No. Oh, you wow. can't even collect rainwater in America. Patreon video number three. Where can we get some horse meat? No. <laughs> yes, eat a horse. Steve, the maniac, called. Peggy dared him to come over. And I'm afraid you're just going to have to give him a sound drubbing. Bring mommy his ears, baby. <laughs> I'll wear him for a necklace. <laughs> Is there a puppy in here? I thought I heard a whimper. Maybe it's Kong over there. Now, Steve hasn't had a fight since he was 10, supposedly. I mean, he throws his toothbrushes in the fishbowl. He's so serious about his speech. And he's like, I used to fight. I used to use these dukes. But then when I was 10, and you're like, wait, when you were 10. That's when it ended? It sounded like he did this in his, like, young teens. But he's like, when I was 10. And it is like, I beat up an eight-year-old and I vowed never to fight again. And then Marcy's like, you're so brave. I'm just a man. And then he goes to Al and he's like, that eight-year-old beat me up in second grade. If you cite, if like you're asked, have you ever been in a fight and you cite something before the age of like 13 or 14, it doesn't count. Oh, Oh, absolutely. It's so amazing. Again, these choices like we said about Bud not recognizing his mom because she's cooking and stuff, the way Steve delivers these stories that are the most ridiculous things you've ever heard, like he's taught, like even after he reveals that he was only 10 at this point, and now it's like you're all like, you got to be kidding me. Is this what we're talking about? He still talks about this with such conviction as if he really is still feeling those feelings. Oh, it was so good. Yeah, I just, I can't believe it. It's just, it makes it that much funnier, the way he's treating it so serious, and the way everybody else is just sitting there listening to him, and not saying, oh, come on, 10, dude, are you kidding me? Like, they're just letting him talk, because he keeps putting his foot in his mouth. Look, guys, I may seem a trifle nervous, but let me tell you why. (laughs) You see... I used to fight. A lot. I have to admit, I was pretty handy with my dukes, too. And I fought for the right. But then, when I was ten, (laughs) this guy and I got into it. We were rocking. I had a short fuse back then, like now. I thrashed him within an inch of his eight-year-old life. Didn't like the feeling. Right then, I vowed I would never use my hands in anger again. That day I went home and hung up my fists for good. Oh, Steve, I never knew this. It's not the kind of thing I'm proud of, Marcy. (laughs) Then you must stand by your vow. Do not fight this maniac. Oh, just that I want him so bad. (laughs) You're so brave. No, Marcy, I'm just a man. He is so taken with himself with this, no, I'm just a man who, uh, blah, 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 I'm just a man, just a, like, I can't believe nobody called him out on it during this whole thing. Before he gets so into this convers- this uh, speech he's going to give about 
how he had to hang up his fist at 10. When he throws those two toothbrushes in the, in the fishbowl, when you look at the next scene, they're not in there anymore. I assume Marcy took him out. Well, I think they're there, and then the next cut, they're not there. Like, ah. as if she couldn't have, you know? He, yeah, so like I was saying, he tells Al that he never got in a fight and then immediately proceeds to say the kid beat him up. So how could you not have gotten in a fight and gotten beaten up at the same time? Because he never he never fought back. He, he wasn't in the fight. He got the shit beat out of him, and he never threw a punch. That means I was never in a fight? Yeah, getting beat up and being in a fight are two different things. If you were in a fight... You stood up for yourself, you swung, you fought back. If you don't fight back, you weren't in the fight, you got beat up. Wow. I never even thought of such a thing. Yeah, like you wouldn't say, oh, I was in a fight. You'd say, oh, some guy came up and started punching me and I got knocked out. (laughs) I wasn't in a fight, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, it's very specific. The way Al delivers stories about Peg's mom, it's, it's the greatest thing in the world. See, I know you look at me, you see my wife and kids, you say to yourself, there's a man that's not afraid of anything. (laughs) It's not true, Steve. I was afraid once. When I was just a kid, there was this beast. It was the scariest thing you've ever seen. We both wanted Peg. Which shows that uh, love is not only blind, it's stupid. (laughs) Every time Peg and I went out, it was there. Every time I saw it, I'd run like hell. But I knew that one day, We'd have to settle this thing once and for all. So one day I got sick of running. So one day in the schoolyard, we went at it. It was long and brutal. I can't say that I won, and I can't say that I lost. (laughs) Well, I definitely can't say that I won. (laughs) But after that day, I was never afraid again. Because I stood up to the meanest, biggest, toughest man I'd ever seen. Steve. That man was Peg's mother. (laughs) Yeah, you can say that again, pal. So, Steve, I don't care how long that guy was in San Quentin. There's no way he'll be as mean and as tough as the product of 150 years of inbreeding. (laughs) How many generations is that? How many what? Generations three, three, four, three or four. <laughs> well, I know if you're an inbred, you don't live too long, so maybe five. <laughs> oh, maybe even eight. <laughs> <laughs> no, that that story was great because one at first I was like, but I thought him and Peggy did because I still don't know if him and Peggy went to the same school or not. Like yeah, I'm still trying to figure there. that out. But then when he throws in that it was his that it was her mom i was like damn it i still don't know now yeah i don't know but it's it's pretty amazing <laughs> well, i don't want to fight al i got theater tickets for tomorrow night <laughs> have you ever tried to yell bravo with a lip the size of a basketball <laughs> okay well how about this screw affair fight here's what you do the guy's gonna knock on the door open the door real quick don't give him a chance to think and sucker punch him in the bread basket he'll drop <laughs> like an ox that's what I should have done to Peg's mother, but uh, she horned me first. What do you feel about Al's advice? Now, you got to really take it, not where it's coming from exactly, but who it's going to. Now, normally, you would not give somebody advice that just open up the door and punch. 
why not? There's no like dignity in that. You know? See, like a, a guy fight. is re- if someone's coming to physically hurt me, I'm gonna open the door and use a bat. I don't care <laughs> they're a a, a one armed ex veteran. Um, I learned a long time ago to never get punched first again. Boy, like, cause you said, I'll let him hit me first. And then from there we'll go. And what happened? Like every single time. Cause I always used to say, you know, you always say that, like, like, go ahead and hit me. See what happens. You know, like, like, right. or like, you know, like one time a dude actually hit me and it didn't end well. And then <laughs> any other time that I've ever been in a fight, if I've got hit first, I've always not did the best. Like I've been in fights where I've came out like even ish, but like I've never won a fight where I've been hit first. Hmm. So it's that, always bad getting hit first. <laughs> so the first hit usually is the best. Yep. It's not only is it the first hit is usually the best hit of the fight, unless you're fighting someone who just can't fight at all. And then mm-hmm. you just can't, but, um, it's usually the best hit of the fight because fight, street fights are sloppy. You know, if you have not been trained in any like martial arts or any kind of technique, it's always so sloppy that the first hit's always the best hit. And then two, um, if somebody actually hits you hard, you know, uh, like I have a scar on my face where I got uh, punched and like my tooth went through my uh, lip and stuff like that. And then uh, another dude like punched me in the eye and like my eyes swelled up over like shut and stuff like that. But but all those times I've been hit first, dude, like you're disoriented. You're just not able to, you know, you're just not fresh, you know, and you're just shocked that somebody punched you in the face. <laughs> right. You, 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 your mind's like a dream state in a way. Yeah. You're, you're like you're like. Your your adrenaline's too high at that point because you realize you just start thinking about people seeing that you just got hit like you're totally not in your head. Yeah. Oh yeah, dude. I've been. Oh god. It it's like you're living. You almost wonder if this is reality. And as it's happening, you're not gonna be like some marksman here when yeah. that state of mind doesn't help the situation at all. Yeah, you are absolutely right. I will never get hit first again. Because I never really thought about it. Wow. Yep. I made that decision a long time ago. Like, when I was like Thanks, 20. Thanks, Dad. Like, so it's like six years ago. <laughs> uh, and I haven't been hit first again, ever. <laughs> yeah, if there's ever a sign of a threat, just clock yep. him so hard. Just go for it. Like, oh my god. Yeah, never, ever wonder if he's going to go through with it. Forget that. Uh-huh. Just punch the guy. Who? What's the worst that could happen? Yeah. You know? So just, just go for it. I mean, the worst, also the worst that could happen is that you get hit. But if you're already waiting for that to happen, right. you know what I mean? <laughs> so, yeah, Al says, just as soon as you open the door, punch him in the bread basket. Now, is that the stomach? The bread basket? Yeah, now you should know that because you watch wrestling. And in the 80s, that's how uh, Gorilla Monsoon and Jesse the Body always referred to the stomach. Yeah, I don't watch wrestling. Oh, I thought you did. Who... You don't? Oh, I'm thinking of Dave, I guess. Yeah, no, I, I watched wrestling in, like, the early 90s when, like, WCW was on, but, yeah. Oh, I don't... and NWO? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That was great. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, breadbasket, I always so it's, like, the stomach, obviously. But... That's how they always refer to it in WWF in the 80s. Yeah. That's how I knew what it was, yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, I don't know, Al. He's here. 
I was calling every country in the world, you know, to track down that rock group Guns N' Roses. And I saw this car pull up with an I Heart San Quentin bumper sticker. But, honey, come on out. The fight's about to start. <laughs> who are we rooting for? He this is the big reveal now. For those of you who, some for some godforsaken reason, don't watch these and just listen to the show. Uh, Steve opens the door. Aims for that bread basket. Yeah. And swings for the bread basket. You hear a thump. The guy's down. Steve seems okay with this. He's like, well, uh, Allie, you want to give me a hand here? So they, they pick the the body of the guy up, and I guess they bring him into the house. I, I don't know why. I would just, like, stuff him back in his car and put it in neutral and just push it somewhere. But, okay, yeah, we'll we'll bring him into the house, I guess, for whatever reason. As they walk through the door, you see feet, and then really quick, you see knees, and then really quick, you see a waist, and then (laughs) you see a long torso, and tiny arms, and a gigantic head. So, Steve knocked out a dwarf. (laughs) Like, okay, this is the first time that both of you guys watched this, so... How thrown were you by this reveal? Was not expecting it. <laughs> I, I was wondering the whole time, like, what the, the gag is going to be, because I knew this was working towards a gag. And I didn't know if it was going to be he opens the door, punches him, and it just makes the person mad. Or But that's what I was expecting. I could tell you what I was thinking. I thought that what it was going to be was um, he's going to punch somebody who was just trying to, like, return something that he lost or or something like that. I didn't expect that it was going to be a little person, um, but more or less that's kind of what happened except for the added effect of the little person. I thought it was going to be like a big, big guy that he punches and it has no effect. Yeah, that that could have worked. That would just get speed up. Yeah, and the guy just walks in and he has to lean over to get through the doorway. He's like Andre the Giant. Yeah, I didn't know if he was going to get beat up or not, like, because I was I, I was constantly trying to figure out what the gag was going to be up until it happened. And then when he threw a punch and then, like, the reaction you get from Steve, I'm like, wait, he knocked him out? What is this, like a kid? Was it like a like a high school kid or something? <laughs> you know, for some reason, when I watched it this time, even knowing this 20 times over, I almost never left louder out loud for some reason i don't know because i guess i'm just waiting for it and i just love the whole look on that their faces and the look on the midget and stuff or the the dwarf and uh (laughs) i don't know man it just really hit me this time around and i was just laughing so much uh because i didn't my my brain you gotta remember didn't have to go through your process you had a wonder and figure and gas i just got to enjoy so for me, it's different. So uh, this guy who he uh, who plays the the dwarf in this episode is Daniel Frischman. Well, he's no longer a working actor. I don't have any information on his death or anything, so he could still be alive. But oddly enough, this is 1989, and that was the last year he ever worked. So this could have been the last thing he ever filmed. However. He was in a lot of stuff that is pretty big, no pun intended. He was in Star Wars Battlefront, the the video game, 
in 2004. That's the that's the newest thing he did. But other than that, acting wise, he was in Under the Rainbow. He was in the Jeffersons. He was in Star Wars Episode Six: Return of the Jedi. Uh, another little person was Warwick Davis, who was in that Star Wars, I believe, too. Played at Ewok. Dude, all of these guys. Now, am I saying something wrong? Am I saying dwarf? I don't know what the appropriate term is anymore, man. <laughs> okay, well, uh, yeah, you're right. A lot of the famous uh, little people in the world are like David Rappaport, Peter Dinklage. Warwick Davis is the guy who played Leprechaun. Zelda Rubenstein is the girl from the Poltergeist movies. Kenny Baker is one of the most famous ones recently who um, died. He was, believe it or not, that, that walking like trash can guy in Star Wars – he is there's a guy inside of him so whenever he's talking to that gold guy this thing is like that's spinning its head and going kenny baker's in that and i guess he's turning the head around or whatever you know i don't even know how that works like why would you need a guy inside of that that guy hey man everything was practical back then yeah but he was still i think kenny baker even came back for like the new movies well, yeah, wouldn't you? <laughs> Another cool thing, by the way. So this episode is called "The Harder The Harder They Fall," and uh, we they reference Casablanca. That's because they reference Casablanca because Humphrey Bogart is in Casablanca. The last movie Humphrey Bogart made was called "The Harder They Fall" in 1956. Boom. That must be why they did that. Well, yeah. they didn't do it because it has the movie <laughs> is about a former sports writer who's dealing with shady promotional tactics in the boxing world. No, it's well, Steve did punch. That's true. He did hit him in the bread basket. But do, do you want to hear an even more obscure thing about this? Okay. He hit him in the face. Yeah, he did punch him in the forehead, actually. But I know what you meant. He aimed for the bread basket, but unfortunately this guy was not the average height of a normal man. <laughs> so it hit his face. Well, Steve at some point mentions listening to, to Tuscanini. Now, I looked that up, and there is no such thing as a musical Tuscanini. Now, I, I've obviously got my research wrong one time when I couldn't find... Um, how was I looking up? I was thinking Suey, but it was something else I couldn't find. And then uh, it eventually was found by somebody else or whatever. But So I looked it up. I couldn't find out musically. Except he, it's the name of a Disney character who looks like a walrus, so that make that wouldn't make, make any sense. But check this out. So Tuscanini, believe it or not, this is going to be the most bizarre coincidence you've ever heard in your life. If you look up the Urban Dictionary of that word, it's slang for, and it is how they write it, punching yo munchkin. What? <laughs> yes. Tuscanini is slang for punching yo munchkin. Is that a like a masturbation reference? Yes, but that's how they wrote it. The internet didn't even come out in 1989. This was all submitted afterward. It, it was pro- the word was probably created after this episode, but somehow he says Tuscanini and punching a munchkin. And then Marcy gets turned on by him punching punching <laughs> a munchkin and right. they kick everyone out so they can have sex. Maybe she wants to see him sit on the corner of the bed and oh wait Never mind. But yeah. That's weird. Uh, this show, you just never stop learning. 
Hey guys, looking for a little bit more Married with Children podcast? Well, look no further than Patreon.com. If you become a patron of our show, with a donation as little as $5 a month, you have a backstage pass to all the extra nudie bar content. We have two video commentaries waiting for you. He thought he could, and you better watch out. Watch those episodes along with us, guys. Some of the content that's coming up, Justin eats a toothpaste sandwich. One of us eat Tang Wipe, a review of Hondo. And what about that one movie Jerry mentioned Christina Applegate was in? We gotta get our hands on that. Remember, guys, for only $5 a month, you get the weekly show as usual and lots more Bundyful content. Now, the man is knocked out. He, he finally comes to... I don't know why I came over here. I had a feeling you might be an animal. An animal, really? Just a man who will fight to protect the rule of one car length for every 10 miles per hour of speed. Well, I guess I should say what I came over here to say. I'm sorry I cut you off. And Steve, once again, is just so taken with himself and still talking about himself in such high regard, even after punching a dwarf who wasn't even expecting it and was just there to say sorry. I'm sorry you had to see the ugly side of me. But when challenge challenged me, I challenge challenge. <laughs> yeah, right. By the way, why were you in San Quentin? I torched Mercedes. They say I'm almost cured. Hey, and you've got a nice one. Well, it's only a car. But the memory of that punch will last me a lifetime. You are so brave, Steve. <laughs> and he said, and you have a nice one. And then Steve says, well, it's only a car as long as blah, blah, blah. So is he, is he submitting to the idea that this guy is going to torch his car and that's okay with him? It sounds like it. Because he's very protective of that car. I mean, he named it Klaus, for Christ's sake. <laughs> So, so I, I don't know. So, yeah, like you said, Marcy gets turned on. They go upstairs. They say, get out. And the Bundys know what they got to do, which is ransack the house. They ransack the food and the VCR, and they leave the dog, and they go. I thought that was pretty funny how they forgot Buck. <laughs> no, ma'am, we'll be right back to wrap up this week's review. Be sure to join their Facebook group page for all the podcast news and updates. Just type in www.facebook.com slash groups slash Married with Children podcast. Be sure to subscribe to them on iTunes and please leave a review telling them what you think of the show. To subscribe to their YouTube channel, just go to channels and search up Married with Children podcast. You can email them at marriedwchildrenpodcast.com at gmail.com thanks for checking out this review now the guys are going to give their final thoughts and ratings of this week's episode alright guys uh, that was the harder they fall so how many Betamax tapes are you returning to Bob's Betas and Bell Bottoms for this episode Justin out of 5 I like this episode I didn't you know absolutely love it or anything it was kind of a cool reveal that I didn't expect. I expected it to be something along the lines of like the person wasn't really looking for uh, Steve to fight him. 
Um, I really like the beta and like VHS talk. Like that that was just cool to me. Um, I didn't think all of the jokes were super funny in this one though. Um, probably gonna come in at 3.5 out of five. Beta tapes returning to Bob's Beta and Bell Bottoms. Wow, nice remembering all that. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jerry, how many uh, Betamax tapes are you returning to Bob's Betas and Bell Bottoms out of five for this episode? Uh, I'm doing a four out of five. I had a lot of fun with this episode. There were some really good one-liners and tons of Steve. So that's that's always a plus for me. Yeah, right. Like it's it's not. Like I said, the only embarrassing part for Steve was really how seriously he talked about that 8th grade stuff and him being afraid to be in his house alone, but that's sort of understandable. And other than that, it wasn't such a bad Steve episode, right? Yeah, I didn't think it was. I, I enjoyed it. I had a lot of fun with it. Yeah, I, I give this 4 out of 5 as well. I don't know when you when I think of this episode, I just think of that he, you know, this the one where Steve punched a, a dwarf at the front door. How he thought it was so much bigger than it turned out to be. It was all for nothing, and it was funny. And the fact that he still feels like he accomplished something, and yeah, I like Justin, I like the whole videos and stuff, talk and all that kind of stuff. It kind of brings it to reality. Like, everything's in reality because the Bundys are real people and they're in a house, so we could all relate to that. But once they start sort of talking about things closer to home, like movies we watch and the idea of even watching movies and hanging out at people's houses, like, it's, it's just like a different level of um, connectivity, I guess, and it, it brings you closer to the whole thing. That I really like. Um, so yeah, four out of five as well for The Harder They Fall. So guys, tune in next week as we review The House That Peg Lost. Steve and Marcy return from vacation shocked to find a big hole where their house used to be.